You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. At the heart of the evangelist gifting is the word good news. The good news of the gospel is that God made a way back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Those gifted as evangelists want to bring that good news to the world. As we look at the gifting of the evangelist today, we consider the characteristics, how Jesus displayed them, and how those gifted as evangelists fit into the body of Christ. We've got words like love that mean a wide array of things. You can love your family or your spouse, and you can love your pizza or your dog as well. And oftentimes, I find that we can come across meanings um, or we can come across one meaning and maybe it gets co-opted by something else, uh, especially in the English language. Future generations will always uh, take a word and and make it something that it's never been before. So I I thought that we would do a... um, what one of my teenagers called a cringy exercise today. So for for some of you, this will be really easy. And if you're under the age of like 30, like this will be super easy because you may use some of these terms. But um, so this is like what this, th- those are not the definitions right next door. We have to figure out what all those words mean. So these are words in the modern vernacular. Um, so uh, drip, rando, slaps, vibing, and literally. Um, and then we have to figure out what the definition is here. So uh, who knows what the definition of drip is? Anyone? Anyone? No one? Really? There you go. There you go. Stylish or fashionable. Rando. What's a rando? A random person. That's a little easier. Something slaps. What is it? It's awesome or cool. Um, Vibing. Yep, to get into or tap into good feelings. And then literally doesn't really mean literally. It actually means metaphorically. (laughs) Um, So... you know, that's that's kind of the nature of language, right? And and so um, I, I've come to a point where I don't even always assume whether or not I, I know the, the right working definition of something because things always change. And, uh, the, you know, there's a word that's thrown out regarding the church, regarding Christians, evangelical, and um, it's actually been somewhat co-opted to mean something completely different from what it originally meant. For some people, when people hear the word uh, evangelical, they think that it means Republican, that it means Christian nationalist, that, you know, fill in the blank of, of what it means. But at the heart of uh, the word evangelical is, is the word evangel, which comes from the Greek word uh, for good news. And so really, any time that you hear a word that has that root, evangelism, evangelical, evangelist, um, at the heart of that, at the root of that, is, is good news. In, in Greek times, the euangelion, the good news, was good news that was brought by a messenger. And, and um, there's a story that goes that, that Pheopides, 
um, ran the 25 miles from Marathon to Athens. That's how, that's the origin of the actual marathon run. And he brought with him the, the Evangelion, the good news, proclaiming victory as soon as he got there, running 25 miles, getting to Athens to tell them the good news. He said, Nike, which is, uh, means victory, which is where the company Nike gets its name too. Um, and, and then he proceeded to die. So, um, but he ran that marathon. So that's my reason for not running a marathon, actually, because when he did it, the first guy who did it, he dropped dead. So I decided that it wasn't for me. But, <clears throat> but this word that was familiar in ancient Greek times was something that the Christians took um, and said, okay, well, th- it's been used by our culture by saying that there's a good news that comes. There's a victory that's being proclaimed as they bring this message of good news. And they realize that actually we have a message of good news that's even better than this victory that's being proclaimed in our culture. It's an eternal victory. It's something beyond just now. Um, and so they adopted this word euangelion to describe the good news uh, that they had received. And today, as we continue looking at the fivefold ministry in the church, um, we're looking specifically at that, the the gifting of the evangelist, the one who's given that good news to proclaim. If you remember last week, we I put this diagram up on the screen um, with Mox, Box, Fox, the, the ministry of Christ is given to the body of Christ and it results in the fullness of Christ. That, that Jesus displayed all of these giftings for us in, in the gospel. And then he gave these gifts out. Um, and I said last week, not just to the people of God, it's just that the people of God are using it specifically for the fullness of Christ and glorifying God with that. Um, and then... Uh, as we do that, as we live into this gifting that God has given us, um, then we begin to see the fullness of Christ and to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus embodies all these gifts, as I mentioned um, in the past few weeks. And if we look over at Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus embodying this gifting of evangelists. So, This is what Luke writes in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in this passage in in Luke, um, Luke right before this talks about how Jesus had been out in the wilderness for 40 days. 
And he had been there uh, being tempted by the devil. And as he comes out, uh, the angels minister to him. He comes in uh, to the city. He goes to the temple. He unrolls the scroll. And the first thing he does is he reads from Isaiah. Back then it wasn't that they had the book, the Bible, in front of them. Everything was in scrolls. All they had at that point was the New Testament. And Jesus knew exactly what he was going to read. And he reads from what we now know as Isaiah. Isaiah 61, and he proclaims this message because at the heart of the evangelist gifting is this idea of crossing boundaries and borders. And in that passage in Isaiah 61, the the passage that Jesus reads in Luke 4, it talks about good news coming to the poor and coming to the prisoner and coming to the blind. These were not people who were revered in ancient society. I don't know that they're necessarily revered in modern society either. And Jesus was saying that this is the good news that comes. It crosses the boundaries. It crosses borders. And in that, he lived uh, as an evangelist. It's to that that evangelists are called those who are given that gifting of evangelists, to those that require the crossing of a border or a boundary to get to. And Jesus the evangelist, he crossed boundaries and borders in order that we might experience salvation. Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost existed from eternity past, but Jesus stepped into time, lived among us, and then he So that was the first boundary and border that Jesus crossed. And then Jesus crossed the greatest boundary and border for us in going from death into life and from rising from the dead to bring us salvation. Jesus lived and pointed people towards the Father. Proclaiming the gospel message, this good news for those who would seem to be the least likely to be hearing it. The prisoners and the poor and the blind were not the ones who were going to receive that message of victory, the euangelion, and Jesus is turning that upside down and saying, actually, they're the ones who are going to hear it first. And we see that first when when Jesus comes. And who are the first ones to hear the message of Jesus' coming? It's the, the shepherds living in the fields. And so constantly... Jesus' life points to crossing those boundaries and living into that gifting of the evangelist. The, those gifted as evangelists are ones who invite and excite. And they have this tendency to stir things up. Those gifted with, as evangelists are great recruiters. They, they call people to it. I think of the story in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets at the woman at the well and tells her everything that she's done, and she goes off right away, living into that evangelist gifting, telling people the good news of what's happened to her. Evangelists are the storytellers. They'll primarily tell the story of God and connect it to everyday life for the people who need to hear it. They themselves are redemptive agents, but they also help others to become redemptive agents as well. They point people outwards. It's easy for for people's posture within the body of Christ, within the church to be insular and to be looking inside. What what am I getting out of it? What's happening for me? Are my needs being met? But as people have mentioned before, great Christians in the past have said that the church is the only organization that exists for the members who are not here yet. 
That's the gifting of the evangelist. Invite and excite to go out and to proclaim, to cross borders and boundaries and proclaim that good news and call others in to join the story of God in the gospel, the good news, and to be part of the movement that's helping to promote it. Evangelists are are great recruiters as well. They'll they'll call others into it. And even as a couple weeks ago when Kron kicked us off looking at Ephesians 4, he reminded us that there's a difference between the gifting of an evangelist and the gift of evangelism. Um, that, That the gift of evangelist is not necessarily the one who's always making things uh, and converting people, but it's somebody who's constantly sharing and proclaiming that good news and inviting others to come and to be part of it and ultimately to be part of God's story in their life as well. Throughout this series, as we've been looking at the, the five-fold gifting given to the church, I've relied heavily on people like Alan Hirsch, who's written a lot about this, and J.R. Woodward as well, people who have seen this and expounded upon not only what they've seen in Scripture, but what they've seen outwardly in their work. And Alan Hirsch said this about evangelists. He says, evangelists also have an affinity for the gospel that makes them adept at applying it to people's unique experience and circumstances. In reminding people that this message of salvation, this good news, is not just good news for when we die, but it's good news for now. And evangelists have the ability, they have the gift to be able to say, how do, we, how do I connect this, not just to something that happens after we die, something that happens eternally, but something that happens now. Evangelists are gifted at being able to make that connection for people and say, where does the gospel hit you? Where does the good news hit you today? In your marriage, in your work in your neighborhood, in your relationships. How does Jesus change that? How does the redemption that Christ gives to us make a difference in those different things? J.R. Woodward says this, he said, Thus the evangelist seeks to equip the church to be a sign, foretaste, an instrument of God's coming kingdom. People want a sense of purpose. They want something to hope in. They want to love Better, live fuller, experience forgiveness, and grow in wisdom. For these are some of the essentials to human flourishing. So as the church is equipped to live under the reign of Christ, we have something to offer our neighbors and the world. There's the truth that Jesus saves us from our sin. And that's a real part of the good news. But good news is more than that. It's not just limiting it to say, okay, well, this is fire insurance for you. Once you die, you're okay. No, this is something that changes and hits us right where we live. And Alan Hirsch says, a church without an evangelistic function is definitely on its way to death. Precisely because the gospel, the evangel, or the euangelion is what brings new life. We need to remember that the kingdom that we are a part of as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, is not of this world, but that doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves. 
and we say, okay, well, we've got the good news, so we're going to circle up the wagons, we're going to keep it to ourselves, and we're not going to let anybody else in, and we're not going to go out. The evangelist will come in and disrupt that and say, no, that's not what we're called to. Yes, we are citizens of a different world, of a different country, but... God calls us to go out and invite others to be part of that. Our, our culture felt more Christian, you know, 50 years ago. And people's involvement with, with the church was, was probably something that was more about uh, religious connections and more about social and even political at the time. But those days are long gone. And because of that, I think the church became somewhat complacent in those days because we got used to the fact that people would just see the church and say, oh, okay, well, there's one for me, there's one for me, there's one for me. And they wouldn't realize that there was something more to it than just a social place or a place where uh, they can make political connections, but it's a place where we make spiritual connections as well. And we need to be reaching out beyond the walls. I appreciate what Woodward said about this idea of being a sign and a foretaste. Ultimately, the body of Christ should be in our fullness, in meeting the fullness of Christ. We should be signposts pointing people to this new kingdom. To letting them know that there's something different here. And there's something that you can be a part of that starts now, not when you die. And so, how do we know if we might have that evangelistic gifting? What does that evangelistic gifting look like in the people around us, within the bodies of the church? What are those characteristics, and how does it manifest itself? J.R. Woodward gives us a a good, helpful list of questions that we can ask. And so, instead of reinventing those, I'm going to just use his. These are some of the questions about whether that you can ask yourself, you can ask others around you of whether or not you feel like God's given you that evangelist gift. Do you have a heart for those who are far from God? Are you constantly asking yourself, you know, who's not here? Again, I tie this back to strength language a lot. Those of you who have the strength of includer, those who are always asking who's not here, maybe God's given you that gift of evangelism. Do you feel frustrated that the congregation, that the church overall might be too inward oriented? If so, then maybe God's given you this evangelist gifting, this gifting that says, hey, we need to go out, we need to cross boundaries, we need to cross borders and barriers. Are you incarnating the good news in your neighborhood or within a people group? As you go off, as, as we leave this place after Sunday mornings, do we just leave everything here? You know, if you don't, and if you feel like you need to bring that with you in all the places that you go, your, your neighborhood, your relationships, your work, your school, whatever it might be, then perhaps God's given you that gifting, the evangelist gifting. Are you helping your community represent God's reign as a sign and foretaste, an instrument of the kingdom? Are we arrows, again, pointing to the fact that we're part of something else? Not to be elitist and say, oh, well, we're in, you're out, but to invite others to be part of that. 
Do, we find, do you find yourself helping others in the congregation view their vocation in redemptive ways? Um, finding ways to, to help people say, hey, I'm not just an engineer or a mother or a student or whatever, but how am I incarnating Jesus in those different places? How am I representing Jesus in those spaces where I go? If you feel that conviction deep within you, then chances are maybe God's given you the evangelist gifting. Do you find yourself equipping others to do the same? You know, one of the things, again, we see in John 4 with the woman at the well, she experienced life change. And in that life change, she wasn't going to keep it to herself. She wanted others to experience that same redemptive change in their lives. If you feel like that's what God has put on your heart, then maybe He's given you the gift of evangelists. How do you answer these questions? Is there evidence that this is the gifting that God has given to you? Don't forget, um, we've been sending out over these last couple of weeks uh, the, the, an assessment that you can take that just asks questions that helps mine out a little bit what that gifting is and what it looks like in you. And I would love to talk to you more about that. Not just to say, hey, okay, what, what can you do at the branch? But hey, how are we living this out redemptively? How are we going out into the world and saying, hey, God, here's how you've gifted me. Now, how can I take that and use that and make a difference in my neighborhood, in my school, in my work, in my community, wherever it might be, so that we can serve God and the body of Christ, but also serve outside the walls of this church together because when we're all using those gifts together we'll see it's like a machine together all functioning when all the parts of the machine are working the way they're supposed to then uh, the firing in all cylinders that's what we see and that's what the body of christ can be when we begin to understand what these giftings are when we begin to live into these giftings and then encourage uh, others to do the same so that all of us together can live towards the fullness of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the evangelists among us. We thank you for those who tell the story of God and help others find themselves in that story. Holy Spirit, thank you for the ways that you move in us move in those who, who feel this evangelist gifting and call us outside of the walls to seek out those who have yet to know you, those who want to cross boundaries and cross borders and cross barriers to bring others, to invite and excite people about who you are and about this good news. As evangelists go out and recruit, as they invite and excite, and as they live as foretastes of the kingdom of God, may we join them and seek to break down barriers together to allow others to come and meet Jesus. And may those gifted as evangelists among us inspire us to be redemptive kingdom agents in this world, in the various places that you have us for the glory of God. And Father, may we submit to you and to each other in order to achieve unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God 
and His Son, and to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. May we do this in such a way that we would see the building up of both your body and your kingdom. For your glory and your name's sake, we pray. Amen. Evangelists are recruiters. They invite and ignite. They break barriers to bring people to Jesus and to bring Jesus to people. Are you gifted as an evangelist? If not, who are those around you with this gifting that you can lean into today? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.